Let me open in a prayer, this prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, you manifest in your servants the signs of your presence. Send forth upon us the spirit of love, that in companionship with one another, your abounding grace may increase among us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, my name is Rob, and I've had the privilege of being part of uh, what we're calling a healing prayer boot camp over the last uh, two months or so, where we're learning about the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts. Um, maybe just to say a few more, uh, a little bit more about me. Um, I'm Canadian. If any of you have ever seen a TV show called Letter Kenny or are willing to admit you have, um, that'll give you a sense of who I went to high school with. Um, I work for a global education fund as an advisor. I work on strategy and policy, uh, and I staff our CEO and board chair, so that's my day job. I'm an Anglican priest, um, and I did my diaconate placement in what, was what we called affectionately an Anglicostal church in Baltimore. Um, it brought the best of uh, the two traditions of Anglicanism and Pentecostalism. It was a, a multi-ethnic church. Um, I'm married and I have two kids, and, um, and that's a little bit about me. Um, the topics for today and over the next three Sundays are probably going to sound like they're a little bit more common to uh, services, the charismatic side of the church, but I, I hope by the end of the, the next, this Sunday and the next few Sundays, you'll, you'll see, we'll all see that these topics are squarely biblical. Um, they are a good fit with Anglicanism. Um, and, uh, and that these are, in fact, it's, it's very Anglican. Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, in the coming Sundays we'll talk about inner or emotional healing. We'll talk about physical healing and we'll talk about racial healing. And the broad question across all these Sundays is this one. What does it mean to have more of the Holy Spirit? So let me do a bit of a pulse check, and I'm sorry for those who are watching live stream. Um, you won't be able to, I won't be able to see you uh, as we do this, but I want to ask a few questions, and you can raise your hand if the answer is yes. So first question, how many people here grew up in a charismatic or Pentecostal church? Couple people, okay. How many people here have ever attended a charismatic or Pentecostal service and you thought it was a little bit crazy or weird or unhinged, doctrinally questionable. Let me just keep adding words. The hands will keep going up. Right. Unhinged. Does that help? Can I see a few more hands? Unhinged. Uh, how many people have ever had someone share a word with them and that they said was a word of God and you felt uncomfortable or upset or even judged? More hands. Um, how many people here have ever been prayed for by someone for healing, either inner healing or physical healing, and it wasn't so the way they prayed for you didn't feel right, or maybe nothing happened? More hands, yep. Um, a different question, how many people here have ever had a powerful experience of God, either in worship or a quiet time, uh, maybe because you did receive healing, because a word did seem on point? or because the Lord set you free from things that were terrible? How many people have ever had an experience like that? Yeah, so you can't see it from here, but I would say on balance, everybody could put their hand up for something in this, um, either on the plus side or the negative side. 
So you're in good company. We're all in good company. And so I hope to start a conversation today about the Holy Spirit and help us catch sight of what would happen if we had more of the Holy Spirit. So maybe I'll tell you a little bit about my journey with the Holy Spirit. So technically, and if I have to be true to this caller, my journey with the Holy Spirit started when I was baptized as a baby. That is true. You could also say, as somebody raised, who came to faith in an evangelical tradition, that my journey with the Holy Spirit started when I asked Jesus into my heart, uh, into my life as Lord and Savior. But my journey with the Holy Spirit in terms of charismatic stuff started when I was doing my undergrad. And as mentioned, I'm Canadian. I did my undergrad up in Canada. And at the time that I was doing my undergrad, the Toronto Airport Revival was happening. And I don't know if anybody remembers this, the Toronto Airport Vineyard Movement. And a team came from that revival movement to the town where I was studying and held a couple nights of a service. So at the time, I was a leader of the campus IVCF, the Inter-Varsity uh, Christian Fellowship. It, there was no campus crusade. We were it. If you were a Christian and inclined to uh, come to a campus church ministry group, we were it. We were about 80, 90 on a good day, 100 people even, uh, week to week. And I was, I was a leader in this. So the, this came, the Toronto Airport Vineyard group came. They held services at a church. And a lot of the members of, of our campus group went, and I went as well. And while we're there, I saw people from the group, my friends, who were getting prayed over and were falling down and were twitching and they were doing other things. Now, me on the other hand, I was the guy who people would keep coming around to pray for and nothing happened. I stood there like, like a great oak tree and just, I didn't twitch, I didn't fall down, I didn't cry, I didn't even flicker. And I was really trying to be open. God, if this is, there's something in, the, if you're in this, I'm willing to have something, whatever it is of you in this, I'm willing to have. Not, it, so I came back a couple times, nothing. And to be frank, I was actually bothered. I was quite bothered by what I saw. I didn't like what I saw happening to my friends. It didn't fit into my grid. I wasn't comfortable with it. But... In the weeks that followed, as, we, as a group, we kind of processed what that, what that uh, series of services were and what happened to people in conversations, in, in small groups. I couldn't deny that a number of people in that group were changed. They talked about more their prayer times being with having a greater sense of the Lord's presence or a sense of connection, a greater sense of efficacy in prayer. They talked about the scriptures seeming to be more alive in their quiet times. Their commitment to repentance and holiness was greater. There were people in the group who I knew were one way when we came together as a group, but were another way in other points in the week. And I saw changes. I saw them make changes. I saw, they, I saw people in the group with softer hearts, and they were more loving. And to be honest, that bothered me too. I didn't want the changes I saw in them to be connected with their experiences at, with this, this revival service. So the whole thing bothered me. In fact, it bothered me so much that I wrote up a big long list of all the things that I thought were wrong with that, the service, and any time the topic came up, I whipped out my list and just kind of went down the list for people to the point where people were like, we, we got it, Rob, like we've heard you. It, it really bothered me. Years later, I met my wife, Jen, 
And she would, when we met, she told me that she spoke in a prayer language and that she had pictures for people when she was praying. Now, at the time, I was in a very academic seminary. I was studying multiple languages and having epistemological sword fights with anyone who wanted to fight me and uh, was going deep in, in theology. I probably read more theologians than I read Bible. Um, and I thought that, and I could see that, that for Jen, the way she connected with God seemed deep and real. Um, she had a very strong faith, but this whole Holy Spirit stuff wasn't for me. I was much more happy um, in, in, in my kind of my academic seminary um, setting. And that's kind of where I stayed um, until, um, until something happened a couple years after that. So we had lived in uh, Liberia in Western Africa. Uh, we had lived there doing, our jobs were to help be part of rebuilding the country after war. And we came back and I began to spiritually implode. This is a whole other topic, a whole other, um, this is a long coffee, but that's probably the best way I can describe it. I really didn't know what was happening to me. So Jen, uh, Jen prayed for me and heard the words come to mind, generational healing. So she Googled it, generational healing, right? Because what do you do with a word from God? You Google it. And so the very first hit that came up was that the Falls Church Anglican, uh, Anglican Church in Virginia, that very weekend was holding a conference on generational healing. So still not quite sure what it was about. She signed me up because what, what could go wrong, right? I'm already spiritually imploding, so probably, uh, probably good for me. We both went, and it was a great weekend. Um, and I, we, we can come back to generational healing again, another topic, another time. But I experienced the Holy Spirit ministering to me. I experienced the Lord ministering to me in very powerful and gentle ways. And this began both a healing journey for me, but also a journey of getting to know the Holy Spirit in a way that, and really the Lord Jesus in a way that I had never known before. So I want to look at a couple scriptures. I want to look at some scriptures to, to re- get to know the Holy Spirit um, in that context. So let me start with the Old Testament. Now, bearing in mind that lots of people have written about the Holy Spirit, so this is not going to be the end-all, be-all description of, of the topic, but it should, it should, it's important to say that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is always just there. The Holy Spirit's not explained. It's, he's not described. He's just there. Um, he is called the Spirit of God or the Spirit of the Lord at least 56 times through the whole Old, Old Testament. So God in the Old Testament, by and large, is high and lifted up, holy, dwelling in unapproachable light, and the Holy Spirit is always described as working on the side of God, involved in the actions of God. The Holy Spirit is the agent of God in the world, engaging with God's people and his creation to create and order and to complete the things that God plans to do. So the Holy Spirit is always associated with power and life, creating, governing, giving the word, word of God to prophets. Um, and, that's, and that's fairly consistent through the Old Testament. But come New Testament and the ministry of Jesus, the Holy Spirit gets a whole new reveal. So already Jesus in John 17 speaks of the Holy Spirit in personal terms. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit could sometimes be seen as an it or a force, but Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a he, a person. 
It says he's the comforter, the paraclete, the helper. And we find out in the rest of the New Testament letters that like a person, he actually has feelings. He can be grieved. He teaches. He speaks. He decides things. He intercedes. He comforts. These are very personal things. The Holy Spirit um, is not an it. The Holy Spirit is, is further in, in the New Testament talked about in terms associated, uh, using terms associated with deity and God. Now, you have to sort of pause and appreciate this. Picture Jesus' disciples. They're very good, solid, faithful followers of Judaism. And in their minds, there is one God. They've been taught this since they were kids. And they're following this guy called Jesus who says, I and the Father are one. I'm the Son of God. And they start to understand that the person in front of them is God. It's mind-blowing. It's a lot. They're, they, they're, they're just maybe almost starting to get that God the Father and Jesus are two different people, but somehow it's still true that the Lord our God is one. And then to start seeing New Testament writers talking about the Holy Spirit in terms of deity is astonishing. It's a huge leap. We take it for granted. We take all of it for granted, but it's a huge leap. So Paul and other New Testament writers describe the Holy Spirit as being eternal, omnipresent, all-knowing, all-powerful, and, and this is kind of the, for, the, for Old, Testament, um, Old Testament Judaism, the crowning uh, attribute, holy. Only God is holy. And so to say the Holy Spirit is very significant. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as being on equal terms with himself and his Father. Now, there's a couple things that help us um, narrow in and focus a bit tighter. Um, Obviously, the Holy Spirit is not the same thing as Jesus. That's actually uh, like an actual literal heresy. Uh, They're different people. But if you want to know the Holy Spirit, look at Jesus. So when Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit to his disciples, he talked about the Holy Spirit as, as the one who would come in a very special way so that they would not feel that they were alone or abandoned or orphaned. They, he explained that even though he was going away, if the Holy Spirit would come, they would have Jesus in an even greater way than they did simply by having him physically among them, walking together, talking, eating meals together. Paul calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of Jesus or the, or the Spirit of God's Son four different times in his letters. And in 11 other different places, Paul will use a phrase of just saying something about what Jesus does, and in another place will say that this is exactly what the Holy Spirit does. Paul links Jesus and the Holy Spirit together. They're not the same, obviously, but they are so closely identified. And the point being that if you want to know what the Holy Spirit is like, look at Jesus. Even the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a description of the character of Jesus. He's all of those things. Um, The Holy Spirit is also linked closely with scriptures. And so some of it is explicit, like in 1 Peter, where where Peter says that all scripture is God-breathed, just like the Old Testament. But there's some really interesting parallel passages from Ephesians and Colossians. So let me read them to you. This is from Ephesians, and Paul writes, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. 
giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in Colossians, he writes, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your heart, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. They're very parallel. Jesus, Paul, when he writes, talks about being filled with the Spirit and letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And it's, it's a key connection that actually is very Anglican. So when Thomas Cranmer was writing the Book of Common Prayer, he understood this connection. He understood, and if you look at it, all the daily offices, all our services, all the liturgy is Scripture. It's read, we speak it, we pray it, we listen to it, it's preached on, it's, it's, it's very scriptural. Most people would say, well, of course, that's very Reformation, that's true. But, he, but this was a link that was clearly understood and baked right into the Book of Common Prayer. Cramner understood that people would encounter the Holy Spirit and be transformed by being immersed in the scriptures because the link is there. So it matters when you read your Bible, when you listen to it, when you listen, when you memorize it, you are making space for the Holy Spirit and you're making space to be transformed. So what does the Holy Spirit do? And this is kind of a big question, right? If anybody's nervous about the Holy Spirit, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like saying, well, I, I know who the Holy Spirit is. I'm kind of good with that, but I'm a little freaked out about what it means for the Holy Spirit to do Holy Spirit things. Um, so let's demystify that. What does the Holy Spirit do? So the number one thing, the number one thing that the Holy Spirit does, I'm going to let you in on this, is not freak you out, not make you do weird things, not freak your friends and family out. The Holy Spirit's primary job is to glorify Jesus and testify to him. The Holy Spirit is utterly focused on and all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves nothing more than pointing us to Jesus, making Jesus clear, let, seeing Jesus lifted high, helping us worship Jesus. The Holy Spirit is, is it, it, it'll sound funny to say this, but the Holy Spirit loves Jesus and is all about Jesus. And if we want more of the Holy Spirit, then we have to get on side with what the Holy Spirit wants, right? It's kind of like... Um, it's, I mean, I hate to reduce it to something that sounds like a transaction, but if you're going to enter into a partnership with someone, you have to have an alignment of interests. If we want more of the Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit interested in? More of Jesus. The Holy Spirit indwells us and gives us life, baptizes us into Christ, so that all that Jesus did is, is brought to us for our benefit. He teaches us, discloses to us the things of God. And by the way, if anybody's interested, I've got scripture verses next to each one of these things. I'm happy to share them and send them around. He convicts us of sin and is also grieved by our sin. He sanctifies us, bears his fruit in us. He is the seal of our belonging to God the Father, assuring us that we are God's sons and daughters. He comforts us. He helps us pray, and he gives us spiritual gifts. That's definitely right. So, three things in line with all of that. If I was to boil it down, Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to help us be intimate with Jesus. He wants to show off Jesus, help us see Jesus, 
and help us know him, his presence, his voice. Jesus wants, the Holy Spirit wants us to be really, really good worshipers, to know what Jesus is like and to live like closely with Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants us to be like Jesus. That's holiness. That's the journey of sanctification. And the Holy Spirit wants us to do like Jesus, and that's the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit. So, this is very aligned with all that I've ever understood about what it means to be sanctified and to walk with the Lord. To be, have more of the Holy Spirit is to have more intimacy, to be more like Jesus, have more gifts. Another thing to mention, if you read in the, in the Gospels, Jesus is very gentle. There are times when he's not so gentle. I'm thinking of that moment when he was in a temple and he flipped a couple tables, but that was one episode, right? So let's just, let's set that aside. He's very gentle with people. Whenever he meets somebody who's hurting and wounded and broken, he is extremely gentle with them. He's tender. And Jesus doesn't force himself into our lives. The Holy Spirit is just like that too. The Holy Spirit is gentle. As much as the Lord Jesus longs to give himself to us, um, he waits for us to ask. And when we look at the cross, we see that Jesus did in fact give himself for us, and he would give himself over and over again if that's what it took to have us with him. And the Lord longs for us to experience him. Jesus wants us not just to know about him, but to know him, to hear his voice and know his presence to have a little bit of what he enjoyed in the garden at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. A life lived closely together where we know his care and his love. But as I said, the Lord, as much as the Lord wants this, he waits on us, he respects our will and waits for us to ask for this and want this. And the Holy Spirit waits for us to ask for this so that he can come and start helping us with it. The Holy Spirit is like a river of living water who bubbles up gently inside, refreshing us, comforting us, speaking quietly, working quietly to create a stronger connection with Jesus. So I want to pause for a sec um, and come to these three questions, and this is like a heart check moment. Um, I'm not going to ask people to put their hands up like I did at the beginning, but this is more of a just answer the question to yourself between you and the Lord. First question is, would you like more intimacy with Jesus? Would you like to be holy or more like Jesus? Would you like to serve like Jesus? So if the answer to any of these things is you do a heart check inside is yes, then, then, I would like to, then I would say, ask. The Lord Jesus is standing by, ready to, to, to make that connection with you. So I'm gonna pray over us. This will, I'm gonna pray over us now to close our time together um, and just pray over us for, for our connection with the Lord. And this is taken also from the Book of Common Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we may know you and your presence and voice, that we may be more like you and serve like you, reaching forth our hands in love, that those who do not know you are brought to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen.